Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. So, how are things at week five of quarantine in the Lapidus household? Well, we are slightly crawling the walls. I am becoming an expert on kindergarten math, and uh, we are cooking through basically every single cookbook that we have in our stores. What about you? It's yeah, it's a lot of cooking. It's a a lot of. Uh, it, it's I still am loving the meals together. We're having so much fun with that, and. Um, uh, we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing all right. But five weeks is a long time for me. It's six. I was in a self-quarantine for a week early. So, um, you know, I am climbing the walls a little too. We've been doing a lot of board games. So classics that we had before, like Uno and Dominoes. And then uh, we were already big fans of Exploding Kittens. So now we're back into that. And we actually, this weekend, started learning Settlers of Catan, um, which takes a delightfully long time, which is exactly what we need sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we've become a little more of a rummy, you know, we're, we're just basic. We, we play rummy cube and uh, Yes, but your kids are a smidge older, so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> but in exciting news, um, so uh, I have this great big personal news to share. Um, I discovered, uh, with a little bit of that mental math that I'm reviewing, that this week's Torah portion means that it is the 25th anniversary of my bat mitzvah. Mazel tov. That's Thank exciting. You. Those of you who are listening who know what I look like, I hope that you're thinking, wow, she doesn't look that old. Um, and I'm sure there are some of you that are going, oh my gosh, you're so young. But yes, it's been 25 years. Do you remember the number? What was the number one song? Do you know this at the time of your bat mitzvah? I can tell you mine, 1984. Uh, I don't know what the number one song was, but the electric slide was still very big and the Macarena was new, I think. At my bar mitzvah, it was Michael Jackson Thriller. Do you have any pictures, please? Probably. <laughs> Probably. That would be amazing. Amazing. But that's, uh, if, you're, if, if, uh, if it's uh, 25 years this week, that means you had quite the Torah portion for your uh, bat mitzvah. Oh, absolutely. That's part of why I, um, anytime I meet with B'nai Mitzvah students, they say, oh, do I have a good Torah portion? And I say, you have a great Torah portion because no matter what, you will figure out something to say like I did. Because when I was my 13-year-old self, I had Parshat Metzora, which is um, kind of well into Leviticus and it's well into the priestly ideas of purity and impurity. And so it was eye-opening to discover that um, there was this whole thing about... Um, which we often call leprosy, but is actually more of just like a, a skin affliction. It could be eczema or psoriasis or something like that. But at 13, I got to learn a lot about biblical views of illness and also about gossip. But I'm sure, uh, Peter, you know the story and the connection of gossip as well. Absolutely. You know, I, what's interesting is that, you know, we often think of this Parsha, Mitzorah, as coming from like a different time, a different era. Like, how could we possibly relate to it? And well, here we are in this global pandemic, and it's unbelievable the parallels in the Parsha from, from 
biblical times to today. You know, we, 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 and I'm sure in your, in your drosh, as you said, talked about uh, Mitzorah coming from the root uh, Motzi Shemra, which, you know, is, is about Rechilut, gossip, and Lashon Hara, and, and about uh, uh, telling tales and the importance of not slandering. And, and so many people, uh, you know, automatically turn to that because um, it's a lot more relevant in most years than um, skin disease and sickness and, and uh, separating ourselves in quarantine when we're sick. But actually, that's what's going on. It's exactly what's going on. I mean, who knew that 25 years later, I would be living our own version of what it means to sit outside the camp. Um, in Parshat Mitzora, and we'll study it at Torah Study this week uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturday, we have, um, you know, the idea was really that people didn't know why all of a sudden someone might have this sarat. And there was um, first the idea of um, concerns about your home. And then it was what happens if it occurs on your body. And um, it comes also at a time when we're talking a lot about separating, um, again, ideas of purity. And this is where we get um, menstrual impurity and, and childbirth impurity and other things. But here, the whole idea was that the, the uh, person with Sarat would be put outside the camp to keep the camp safe, and the high priest would be the one to go and visit and to check them until they were able to be returned back to the camp. And now here we all are um, really set outside the camp. If we think about the temple and all of our worship communal spaces as the camp, here we are sitting outside of it um, for everyone's protection. And I know, Peter, actually, just as an aside, you've been talking a lot through Georgia Alive about what it means to deliberately keep ourselves um, outside of the camp. Absolutely, right? I mean, here the Torah is saying, okay, you need a purifying ritual of some kind when you are going to reintegrate into you know after this sickness and and that's that's what we're you know starting to talk about is what happens and we do it at the temple we were you know an hour ago we were talking about uh what's it going to look like at temple when we can finally come back um you know so there's the parsha you know it starts with okay what happens when there's um sickness in the stones they even say in the stones themselves there's sickness right menstrual blood semen right what what happens when there's this impurity and um and and we so we have to start to ask these questions about um, how do we imagine um, recovering from from this illness? Which there's a physical component to it, but there's also a spiritual component to it as well. Um, and the Torah really, I think, in some way, is saying that this ritual, whatever this ritual is going to be, sometimes masks the feelings that we as a people have um, for recovering from the illness. Um, That's a great point. I, I think about, you know, there's so much talk about when will we be physically ready yeah. to re-engage. And here in Georgia this week, that's a very live conversation with the governor's announcements. And so there's this question of there's the physical readiness, but then there's the emotional readiness. I mean, yes, I could go to a bowling alley this Friday, but I can tell you I'm not going because I'm I'm just, I'm not emotionally ready um, to... It, it, I think there's a lot of healing that we're all going to have to do. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking there's, there's, a, there's a tradition among some scholars. I was just thinking about this. And they, they call it the, the sacrifice of one who has recovered from the dead, this sarat, this mysterious skin thing. And I, and I was thinking, wow, that, I mean, if that doesn't speak to, to COVID-19, right? I mean, on the one hand, 
there's this this physical illness that's so serious that we don't know how to deal with it or what to make of it. And on the other hand, like when you're cut off, when you're isolated and you don't have that connection with your family and your community and the people you love, that's just as devastating as well. Those two things are operating. And I think the rabbis were talking about that hundreds of years ago, and, and here we are. One of the biggest questions, Peter, that you and I have been uh, wrestling with, and, and all of us at Temple, is how to create that emotional connection because you're right. Everybody is is questioning um, how to stay connected to the camp, even from from our homes and even from far away. And it's um, we certainly our front lines, as it were, are looking at people who were supposed to have life cycle events. Yeah. Um, many that were planned, b'nai mitzvah, weddings, um, all of these joyous events. And then we also have the um, less expected um, surprise events, like funerals, shivas. Um, babies are being born and it's not looking like what people expected from those moments. And so um, perhaps we could share a little bit with our listeners about what we're hearing and, and what we've experienced. Because I know between the two of us, we've had um, some really powerful moments through Zoom and through phone. Um, so why don't you start? Uh, share yeah, one it's amazing. I mean, even amidst this separation our clergy, I mean, the two of us, but our whole clergy, we have done every single life cycle event, mm -hmm. literally every single one. And, you know, I, when, the, when this first started, um, when we were first at home, um, and it was still like debatable whether you could go, go out or not, but, but really we knew you shouldn't. And we had um, a, a really beautiful baby naming planned. And uh, people had come from all over the country. They were actually already here because they came in a few days early. Uh, but, but, and so they, they were together in the house, they weren't going anywhere, but it was clear that like, I, I shouldn't leave my house at this point and I shouldn't expose myself to other people and they shouldn't expose themselves to me. And so we did this baby naming on, on zoom. People didn't even know what, I mean, it was like before everyone even knew how to do this or knew what it was. The, the whole family was standing there and I was in, I was trying to get my, everyone was running around here. I was literally in the linen closet. Um, and and we did the most beautiful baby naming, and the the baby um, was was named uh, after uh, her her grandfather who um, who had, had died recently, and and um, I'll never forget it. I mean, it will stay with me always. The way that the family was gathered together and held up their hands for the priestly blessing, and we could I could see every hand up on my Zoom page. Uh, how about you? What's the well? One that's so there? our first week. Um, one of the wedding couples that I've been working with, they knew they would have to postpone their wedding and they still wanted to be legally married um, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, there are a lot of couples that are talking about wanting to make sure that if God forbid something happens to one of them, that, um, that their, their fiance is their spouse. And, and so there was a lot of um, conversations like that. And so one couple, they ran to the courthouse before it shut down um, to non-essential stuff. They got a marriage license and they came to my backyard and um, I stood on one side of my deck and they were on the other side. So we were well over six feet away. And um, the other Rabbi Lapidus got his guitar. So we, we put a little music to it. And uh, my daughter really wanted to make it pretty. She's like, we don't have flowers. We don't have this. And I said, well, it's, you know, it's not their, their um, big wedding yet, but we put some candles around and, um, and I, what I said to the couple was, thank you for blessing our home. 
because um, in our home we had not, I, I mean, think about what we think is going to happen in our space and then to have this wonderful blessing in our, our house that we used to live in, we had done some vow renewals for friends, but we had not done a wedding. And so to have that blessing and also for our kids to be able to see just this joy. Um, and I think the Jewish people are really good at joy, even in the crummiest of circumstances and, um, the baby namings and such. Um, I know I have, uh, too scheduled. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. But then there's the other side, which is, um, I mean, I, I think one of the hardest parts for me, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone, is not being able to visit people who are ill or um, sit in person with people who are grieving. Um, early on, I did, before we really um, had the orders for social distancing, did a funeral at the graveside and it was family only and, and people were staying six feet apart. But then we've since had funerals where people can't gather. And so we've had to do online shivas and things and it's beautiful and it's special, but I just, it's so hard because you just want to give people a hug. Yeah, it's, 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 it is the, 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 the ability not to be there is so difficult. And yet look what a beautiful experience was created. It's amazing. And uh, I think that people are finding ways to, um, to connect and discovering that um, listening to the experiences of others or the, you know, I read an article that the phone call is coming back. I mean, think about since we can't <laughs> just go to a Shiva house, how many more phone calls people are making and, and we have to express things in a different way because we also can't easily bring meals. So, I mean, all of the things that I feel I, we turn to as clergy or community members, we have to improvise. Absolutely. I heard a great story. Um, listen to this one. On, you know how on the high holy days, we, we start and we, we say, okay, turn to the person next to you and say hello. We do it on Shabbat too, by the way. Um, and, you know, we ever wonder if it's going to make a difference. So uh, I got a call this week that um, someone who turned on Yom Kippur to the person next to them and introduced themselves are now each other's um, uh, uh, shelter in place friend, right? They both don't go out at all. And they um, they they can visit with each other because they're they're the only people that they're seeing. They still do it from okay. six feet just to be safe. But they have become close friends. They did not know each other before Yom Kippur. That's amazing. That amazing. Well, I would say um, for those who are listening, podcast at the temple dot org. Send in some of your special um, shelter in place uh, stories of how you have reached out to someone or someone has reached out to you that have been meaningful. Um, and, and maybe we'll see if there's a way to, um, to put them on the air in a future episode. Cause I don't, someone told me um, test negative, stay positive um, with the news and so much that is being focused on that is not going well. Yeah. Um, it's really good for us to remind ourselves that the human spirit is enduring and, and we are, even from outside the camp, still looking out for one another. Absolutely. And I think when, you know, when this is all over, God willing, it'll be soon. You know, we kind of have to do what the Kohen, what the priest did in the, in the, in the Torah, which is um, um, the priest was responsible for helping to purify someone who, who not only had been contaminated, but who had to um, 
you know, step, you know, isolate themselves. And I think we're going to have to evolve rituals and traditions uh, when we get back. Uh, be, uh, and this is all over because um, th there has been a, um, for us, this challenging mode of, of both sickness and isolation. And, and we'll have to figure out what it is that we can do ritually with, with Jewish ritual to, to help us to come back uh, to where we are and where we want to be. So that, I think it's a challenge for us, not only at the temple, but for rabbis and clergy everywhere of all denominations uh, that speak so directly to um, the portion of your bat mitzvah. I think that sounds like a great episode. And um, we will, I think we'll have to continue the conversation because um, this question of how we heal and how we reemerge um, is going to be definitely the, the most important question uh, for our time right now. Um, there's no question we're, we're up to it. And it's, it's the work we do. We're, we're thinking about today and how we can help our members in this moment today and also you know, moving forward and what the future is going to look like. A, a Judaism, I think, completely reimagined. Amen. Well, if you are listening, use this reminder, uh, Parashat Mitzorah, um, go ahead and reach out to someone who is also outside the camp, who is, um, who is very much in need of the reminder of community and connection. Send a text, do a phone call. Um, let us continue to stay safe and not lose sight of the importance of connecting and reaching out to one another. Um, as always, questions, feedback, podcast at the-temple.org. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please subscribe. Um, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. Um, we would love to hear what you think. This has been episode five of The Podcast from The Temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world.